Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O. Morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, greetings. Welcome in on a Tuesday morning. It's 6.08 on October 10th, 2023. Glad to have you with us. 39 degrees right now in the capital city. I don't know why I keep acting all surprised when it gets colder as the as the season rolls on, but nonetheless, I am. I think the surprise comes from the fact Jeez. that the air has not worked in our studio for over a week, and it finally got fixed yesterday. That's true. And now it's it's actually just not hot yeah. in here. Well, maybe. Yeah, I... Uh, yeah, we're in the yeah we're right smack dab in the 30s uh, right now, and uh, back up as you heard into the uh, the lower 70s today. That uh, this looks like a man. This looks like a potential top 10 weather day here uh, for the city before it uh, gets a little bit more unstable over the course of the next several days. Precipitation chances, high winds, those sorts of things. But today looks great. 72. Calm winds, uh, sunny skies should be a, should be a great day if you've got any outdoor stuff going on that you want to take care of. Uh, got a good show for you today. Uh, we will talk to Joe Jordan from News Channel Nebraska. He uh, had a uh, sit down with the newest congressional candidate or a Senate candidate, I should say, uh, Senate candidate for the United States Senate from Nebraska. Tell us a little bit about that. We will have Jason Ball from the Lincoln Chamber of Commerce who is joining us. Uh, we also uh, give you a couple of keywords at 635 and 810 if you want to try and win a pick from Fantasy Huskers to win Valentino's and Alumni Hall prize pack. We will do those at 635 and 810 like we do every day today. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's what we've got going on uh, during the show today. John Baylor out today. We will have him join us again coming up next Tuesday. So that's uh, that's what's on the menu for the show Today, uh, as you heard, Mark Vale is out. He'll be back coming up next week. So Stephen is filling in for him this week. So uh, what do we have going on today? I don't know exactly. <laughs> I, I mean, I am going to be I am going to be completely cards on the table, honest with with you guys here this morning. Um, and <laughs> you know, I've been uh, been a long been a long time that I've I've been doing the show there have been several days over the course of um kind of this fall um i i would say probably mostly where i'm uh where we're, we're coming into the show and i gotta tell you i i'm not and, and maybe i need to hear from people maybe i need a little bit of a little bit of, of feedback uh in terms of when there is when there's not something when I, let me let me give you a little little background how the how the sausages is made here um the 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 prep that i do in the morning for the show is i i go through um everything that our newsroom has done everything that other media outlets have done locally on the news stories that are out there on the things uh essentially that i think will be impacting the listeners lives or will have just natural interest, um, something that happened, something that a lot of people attended, something a lot of people are interested in. Um, and I try and focus what's going on, usually with the help of, of Mark and, and the newsroom 
uh, on you know what we kind of kicked the show off with, or if there was just something that happened that you need to be informed about here first thing in the morning. So that's kind of what I what I try and do, and then you we bring that throughout the course of the show with our with our interviews and those sorts of things. Um, this morning, I don't know what that is for you. <laughs> I I do not know, and I guess that's not a that's not a terrible thing. Um, but I, I, I'm curious. I've got my own things on my mind. Let me throw I'm a couple of things about. at you. Okay, I'd be glad to. I'd be glad for you to do that. Nobody won the lottery last night. It it, it continues it's, to climb it's to the stupider same, I mean, and stupider it, levels. Yeah, it's uh here, here. This is first of all. It feels like this is happening. All that this is like become the norm. It's now, a very these, normal thing. These long streaks, and we've talked about a bazillion times. Uh, once for every dollar that they're giving away over the last <laughs> several years. So that bumps up once again, and then another drawing on wins the next drawing. I don't know what the schedule is. Wednesday or Thursday. Okay. Because I know there's there's three a week. Okay. And I know Monday and Saturday are two of them. Okay. I think. Okay. All right. Well, there we go. Monday, Wednesday, Saturday. There we go. So those will be, uh, that, that'll be the uh, the next one. Okay. So that is out there. Price is right. Price is Right is coming to look at opportunities for you to win money. That's true. We've got, I mean, everybody, <laughs> that is something that everyone is interested in. I will agree to that. Everyone is interested in opportunities to win money. Price is Right is coming to the lead center, uh, a version of it that is not televised, but it's just a live show. I'm pretty sure this thing came to Lincoln. I'm pretty sure they did this years ago. If somebody went to, went to this and remembers it, I almost want to say it was that Pershing. Like that far back, mm. um, I, I I didn't go to it, but I remember talking about talking about it coming. Um, but yeah, so you can go. But what I'm wondering about that is, okay, I don't know if you guys have seen the documentary that is on Netflix about the Prices Right. It's one oh, of the oh yeah, it's one. It's like this really low budget documentary about this guy who essentially became so obsessed with the Prices Right that he memorized. All of the prices of every single thing. He that created they had on a there. game for himself to memorize yes. all of the prices. He memorized every single price. He basically like broke the code of the prices, right? But and when the, I say like a game, like he didn't just sit down and go, "Oh, here's some flip cards." No, it was a full like early Oregon Trail style game. Yes, yeah, a hundred percent. And so, but the thing, the thing was, he had figured all this out. But you have to get on stage. To, for that to do any good, right? You've got to be one of the people that come on down. The old Rod Roddy used to do mm-hmm. and say, come on down. And so he would go to all these tapings and wouldn't get on stage, even though he had all the answers and he's playing from the, he's playing along from the stands from the audience where he's sitting there. But, uh, you know, to get on stage at the actual show, you've got to have apparently the producers basically it's not like picked at random the producers pick out people who they think are going to be entertaining and Mm -hmm. good contestants essentially and so you've got to show a lot of pizzazz or something or personality You're basically auditioning when you're you're in line yeah that's that's kind of what this documentary got to and so i'm wondering if that's necessary if 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 that's how it works when you go to the lead Mm. center to to watch this thing or if i mean i think a true random drawing would be would be the fairest, but it might not be as entertaining if you had right. somebody up there who's who's not going to be as entertaining. Um, yeah, that would be that'd be all right. But the, I guess an interesting question is what I don't know. 
I'm always worried that the prices on the prices right. So you go, you start, you start to play it. And I haven't watched prices right in years. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of being sick during for, during school <laughs> when I think of it. But I'm always concerned because I do the grocery shopping. So if it's grocery type stuff, I'm I feel like I'm pretty good at maybe the higher end stuff, furniture and that stuff. Maybe not as much. But I always wonder if there's some sort of like inflation baked in because the show is in California that they do it. If there oh. if, if there's some of that that comes yeah, in, do they reflect do local that, prices? Does it reflect local prices? That's what I always. I don't. I don't know. I wouldn't say I'm worried about it, but I always think if I ever get on the show, my concern would be that I'm doing it based on prices in Lincoln, Nebraska, as a at least at least for like grocery and smaller things. I suppose there's well. Here's the thing: if you are doing it based on local prices and they're doing it based on California prices, you're not going to go over. That's true. That, so so yeah, that, that's so. kind of a safer way that's to play. Do. I would love that though. If everywhere they learn, we're in Lexington, Kentucky this week. We're, we're in Sacramento. Yeah. It's all based on what the local grocery store has. I'm not sure if I if if someone said to me, and I'm curious what you guys all think about this. If someone said to you, "Okay, you've got a chance to to uh, win some significant prizes, some significant money, uh, if you play a game show, right, like uh-huh. a traveling version of a game show." But what game show would you be most confident? Ooh. At your ability to go on and and like w- bring home the the most money because I don't know if it would be prices right for me or not. It's cash cabs ten out of reading. ten times. <laughs> I I I've heard of that. I don't even know what it is though. <laughs> I I don't even know what it is. Like I not I don't think I'm doing Wheel of Fortune. Like I don't feel super confident in my Wheel of Fortune ability. How you feeling about Jeopardy? Better, mm-hmm. better. I feel better, but like those are kind of your classics. Although you, you, there's a some people, there's just I, I feel okay about you. See, I think my best shot would probably be at one of those more recent shows that is like Beat Shazam, where you oh. gotta yeah. I think or, or there's another version of something like that where it's essentially name that tune. Mm-hmm. That I think I could do. That I think I would have my most confidence in out of anything. Yeah, I don't know. What are you playing if you can? You can do one one game. It's show. absolutely cash cab. It's cash. Okay, and what do you do on that? So all it is is you get into you get into a taxi. You think it's going to take you across New York, and then the lights go off and everything inside. And you just have to answer questions on on the way to your route. Oh, so it's just trivia. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. It's just trivia. You can you can ask uh, someone on the street if you need help for like one of the questions. There's red light bonuses, and then when you get to the very end, you can do a double or nothing on a on a video question. Okay, and and there are a lot of times that I'll see people in there and like they've already racked up like three grand, yeah, and got a free ride across New York, <laughs> and I'm like, don't do the double or nothing, get out of the cab right now. That's uh, that's the the game I used to yell at contestants most most on was Deal or No Deal. I would get Ooh. so mad at the contestants on that one. I, w- I feel like I could do pretty good on that too. But like you've got the thing with that game is you've got to go in and you be you got to be like because you went up to a million bucks you got to go in and you be like a hundred if you win a hundred thousand dollars that's a huge that's a yeah you huge know your cutoff game. point that's you basically say to yourself the game is for zero to a hundred thousand not zero to a million and if you change your thinking that way mm-hmm. you're gonna be good okay when you get that first offer of two hundred fifty I mean 
I suppose easier said than done. But if you get that first offer and it's like two hundred fifty thousand, like take it, I'm done. <laughs> I, I, They're like, I well, opened, this was quick. That was good. I think that's what you do in that game. I think that's <laughs> how you win that game. So I think I have that one kind of figured out. I feel like that's how I would pl- in my head as I watch these game shows. I'm not the big risk it. Like when when you have the opportunities to do that. No, type of thing. no. People make the dumbest. Yeah, what what? Which one was I watching where they have opportunities to do that and they were just and like their family members were on the side encouraging. It was one of the more. It was one of the modern modern ones that they did during the writer strike this summer mm-hmm. when they had it. But the family was like, "Risk it all, go!" And I was like, "What are you talking about? <laughs> You're their family. That's a horrendous decision to to risk it all." I can't even remember what show that it was. Exactly. Uh, Kristen Olathe texted in and said, Cash Cab is the closest thing to generation collaboration on TV. Well, that's what I was starting to think. I know there is a one of these games that, again, happened this summer that was paired generations, I think, of family members together, mm. like a grandparent and a grandkid, I think. But, like, generation collaboration, the game show, could probably work. Let's all be honest That would here. be very, very good. It would be, yeah. I, I don't, I don't know exactly how it happens, but um, if you had a regular panel of quasi celebrities who, you know, represented each generation, and then you paired the regular contestants mm-hmm. with them, that'd be pretty entertaining, would who's, it not? Who's representing your generation? Oh, like, that's like, a good question. Who, who's on this celebrity panel? Well, um, yeah, I don't know how. Like, are, are you going for if it's nope? It's just a celebrity. It's not not some schwami up there. <laughs> I can't. Th- I can't think of who the most who the most notable celebrity of what someone generation says. Hey, that's be. a Gen X celeb. I don't know. I'm going to Google it and see. Uh, Are you Googling Gen X. Yeah, because I can't think. Let's see. Eminem popped up. <laughs> that was it. Was the first person who popped up. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know. I, I know this is a terrible answer for for you on this question, but I can't. Matt Damon, maybe. How about Matt Damon? Sweet. Or, or Ben Affleck. That would be awesome. They're Xers, right? As a matter of fact, they seem like people who would do this. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Let's see what years De- Matt. I don't know. Do you know who you're taking for uh, your celeb? Oh, she's In not there? touring. We're putting Taylor Swift up there. Oh, okay. All right. That's good. <laughs> we're, Damon we're, we're, was born in 70. We're, okay. we're going for ratings. Matt Damon was born in 70, so I think, so I'm good. He'll cover the, cover some of the older stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if I get paired with him, it'd be a good game show. I think it could work. I think it would work, and it would be different than the one that they've got right now. But each game, you would have all the generations going against each other mm-hmm. instead of uh, how it is now, where you pair two people of different generations. I think it could be entertaining. This, fe- this feels like at that point, it's almost Iron Chef for generational trivia. <laughs> pick, pick, pick your Iron yeah, yeah. Chef within the generation, yeah. and yeah, well. Anyway, um, do you want one more on money? Sure. Uh, uh, Black Hills Energy is saying you can anticipate lower energy prices. Heck yeah, let's go. This uh, this one. Uh, you know what? I it's not only that, but I got this uh, this smart thermostat a couple years ago. One of these nests, and I turned on all of the like the money saving features, so it senses if. Senses if we're not at home and it'll turn up, you know, whatever. It'll turn the, the thermostat up in the summer and down in the winter. Middle of the night, it'll adjust it, all of these things. Um, I said, you know, I put on the option to, like, learn how we do with it. Basically, all these economy things to save money on energy. Mm-hmm. And so I've done that. And 
I don't even I'm not even sure how much money that it saved us. I haven't looked super closely. I will tell you, it is annoying. It is the it makes my house feel like I don't want it to all day long. <laughs> it's like a f- constant fight between me and the smart thermostat. I'll be I'll be home in the middle of the day. I'm like this, especially the last during the summer. I'll be like, why is it so hot in here right now? And I'll go and the stupid the smart thermostat because I told it to has turned the thermostat up to seventy eight, mm-hmm. and I'm like, ah. <laughs> And so I'll turn it. I'll just manually turn it back down. Yeah. And so it's it's saving me a few cents until I get annoyed to put it back to to normal. But you know maybe the Black Hills number will will help as well. It's also we're gonna have this in the sound off. Speaking of saving money, it's also one of these huge Amazon blowout days again. Oh yeah, like today and tomorrow, right? The Prime. Yeah. The Prime. Whatever they call it. they call it Prime Days. It's called something else this time around. They're I, trying I to, call this Dion Days. They're trying, they're trying to get uh, people to sign up for for Prime and probably selling TVs cheap. I'll tell you that. But everybody's selling TVs cheap, man. <laughs> All right, it's six twenty-five. We'll uh, take a break. We got to check of sports coming up next on KLIN. Join the conversation and stay in the know. We need to prevent gun violence like the shootings in Texas. KLIN Lincoln. A look at news from both inside and outside of Lincoln and conversation on how that news affects us here. It's time for the Sound Off on LNK Today. But first, your fantasy Huskers keyword for a chance at a $100 prize pack from Valentino's at Alumni Hall. All right, it is time for another keyword for fantasy Huskers. We have the keyword out of the way right away. Caleb, what is our keyword today? Adopt. A-D-O-P-T, adopt. adopt. And uh, if you if you are selected, if you text that in, you're the one who selected a pick, you will get to choose a new football team to cheer for for one week, to adopt, as Caleb mentioned there. Uh, you will get to pick a top 25 team so long as it hasn't been picked yet, and you're trying to find the one that is going to score the most points this week. So you might want to check out the AP poll and check out who the teams are playing. Who is off the board so far? Ben has taken number 10 USC. They are on the road at number 21 Notre Dame. Number one Debbie takes number 11 Alabama hosting Arkansas. Okay. So 23, USC and Alabama gone. 23 teams still available. So uh, you can go ahead and pick one if you get that if you get that pick. And uh, we'll do it again at 810 this morning, 635 and 810 every day till we get up to 10 of them. And the one that picks the team with the most points out of that group of 10 will get the prize pack from Alumni Hall and Valentino's. So be listening for your next chance to send in that keyword and play Fantasy Huskers. Okay, let's uh, let's get into the sound off, of course. Uh, still, obviously, uh, the story that is dominating international news uh, is the the war. Is, you know, it's what it is now, the war um, that is going on in the Middle East between Israel and Hamas. Uh, and the next steps that have been taken uh, in terms of uh, the bombing and the damage that's being done in the Gaza Strip right now. Trey Yankst is near the border uh, for Fox News Radio, and so we'll get a report from him that was filed just here during the overnight hours here in the United States. The morning so far has been relatively quiet. Some airstrikes in the distance, but no major rocket fire into southern or central Israel. Now, that could change at any moment, but certainly an indication 
that as the Israelis continue to hit Hamas and Islamic Jihad positions inside Gaza, it does make it more difficult for them to fire rockets. The Israelis have drones and other pieces of equipment that they can use to figure out where the rocket fire is coming from and then hit it with airstrikes or artillery. And so while they have many different rocket launching positions, the longer this war goes on, the more difficult it will be for Hamas and Islamic Jihad to use rockets to their advantage. Okay. Um, and then, you know, yeah, in, a, in addition, have you seen some of those videos of the rockets that just, they, they've got that Iron Dome technology, basically, and they just mm-hmm. yeah. blow up right there in the, in the air. Um, and then the other thing, obviously, that many people are thinking about um, in this whole thing is those who have been taken hostage and are presumably somewhere in Gaza right now, but it's not known exactly where, and what does Israel do? to try and preserve their lives, to try and rescue them. Devastating situation. A spokesperson for ruthless terrorist group Hamas made the threat about executing hostages by saying any targeting of civilian homes in Gaza without advanced warning will be met with the execution of one of the civilian hostages from Israel. He also said they would be forced to broadcast the killing. Hamas abducted more than 100 people, including some Israeli soldiers and civilian men, women and children, including the elderly and whole families. Biden administration officials said in a White House statement that they believe it's likely American citizens may be among those held by Hamas. And it's a, I mean, all the interviews that I heard with, you know, kind of military experts and, and, um, people with, uh, with the FBI that have gone through these situations before talked about just how incredibly difficult this is going to be because, the thought among you know the people that I heard talk about it yesterday is that they've probably got them not only obviously over in hidden in in Gaza but probably split up to some degree so they're in so they're in different places as well um and so you i mean locating them obviously then a rescue operation not causing additional casualties of the hostages or people who are going in at this point is incredibly difficult and then you've got obviously families and people who are close to people are taking hostage who are basically going public and asking the entire world say please do something right please do something to get these people back um it's a terrible it's a terrible situation uh right now with that in terms of some of the other just notes about what's happened in the overnight hours and, and really the last 24 hours um Let's see. We've got in 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 terms of those those strikes. I mean, they are. If you've seen the the pictures in the Gaza Strip, I mean, the area is just completely leveled. Um, and the report out from the uh, UN is that 187,000 people have been displaced there. Um, just in the time that those attacks have have started at that point. Um. And they they expect that to continue to to go up, obviously, as their continued escalations at that on that at that point. And then then there's a discussion, too, um, about whether or not what kind of collateral damage is being prevented or should be uh, prevented by Israel when they're doing these in terms of um, in terms of just citizens, those sorts of things as well. Um, And so. I saw, I heard Israeli. Uh, I heard, I basically heard his, Israeli officials being asked about that multiple times yesterday, and they essentially said, 
we the goal is not to the goal is not to damage, injure, hurt, kill civilians, um, and we'll do what we can not to. But also, this is war. Mm-hmm. At this point, was kind of what their line was uh, over the course of of that whole thing. Um, and of course, the, you know, the, they they've got no basically no fuel, food, electricity, water, those sorts of things coming in as well. And so that's uh, the situation with two million people on that on that small strip. Um, in terms of uh, other things, uh, and then Iran came out and said uh, that. Israel suffered, this is the Ayatollah who said this, irreparable failure both militarily in terms of intelligence amid the weekend attack by Hamas. Uh, that said, they they claimed that they had no involvement in this, whole th- in this whole thing, essentially, even though Iran obviously has been supportive of Hamas historically and is not saying anything, obviously, to, to go against what they did or or the motivations behind what they did at this point. So, oh and then is the Israeli Air Force is bringing back a whole bunch of soldiers who are abroad at this part at this point too to be in this. They've already brought up 300,000 reservists as part of yeah. its response and now they're going in um now they're going to other parts of the country and uh, excuse me, other parts of the world and bringing in soldiers who are stationed abroad. At this point, by the way, military service compulsory for most Israeli citizens over the age of 18 with enlisted and men and women expected to serve a minimum of 32 and 24 months, respectively. Um, So that's um, that's a little more background there. And then back here in the United States, uh, the president is going to be making remarks on Israel today. The White House has maintained that the president has been fully engaged in supporting Israel. That's despite appearing largely absent on the world stage in terms of public events. President Biden will address the nation from the White House, which has been lit up in blue and white. It's a show of support and solidarity for Israel. And it follows a call with key U.S. allies yesterday. France, Germany, Italy, and the UK. A joint statement reads, we make clear that the terrorist actions of Hamas have no justification, no legitimacy, and must be universally condemned. It continues, our countries will support Israel in its efforts to defend itself and its people against such atrocities. All right. So we'll see. We'll see how strongly uh, the president comes out today in in uh, standing behind Israel. Of course, that's, I mean, that it's clear that that's what uh, the United States will do, and he will do in principle, but how strong will the language be today? There was also a joint statement that was put out by the heads of state of the United States, Britain, Germany, Italy, and France, also saying essentially the same thing, uh, but kind of arm-in-arm arm in unity, those nations and their leaders uh, expressing support for Israel as well. So uh, I think that kind of gets us gets us up to date on uh, what what has happened there? But it's man, Caleb. It's just uh, I, it, like I don't. I, I I wonder. You know, they're the, Israel is going in and they're taking out all of these these places in Gaza here at this point. Like, I wonder how long that lasts. Like, I I don't I don't have a good understanding, obviously, of just how extensive whatever whatever assets Hamas has in this Gaza Strip. How long it could can you take? Can you take these out to their satisfaction in a days, a week, uh-huh. months? I don't, I don't know the answer to that. So that's one of the things that I'm wondering. And then, and then I guess you know the question is, okay, like after after that, or you get to a point where you don't 
there isn't as many of those to do. What's next? Obviously, part of it is defending defending the borders and defending the country against essentially terrorist attacks coming back because that's that's what you're you're going against again. It's you're not going against a military, a state military in in that sense. You're going against a a a terrorist organization. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a different type of Israel is equipped to go into a uh, they're equipped for a lot of things but they're fighting a kind of a more standard a standard war against a military power and they've got the things for that and I'm not sure how this unfolds after this next step or if it does or maybe they maybe they cripple the ability of Hamas to do anything so much with these strikes that there isn't there isn't a lot happening after this. I think this that's their hope. So uh, I just don't know how long that takes. But well, well, if you remember back, and obviously different sociopolitical uh, issues at work, but back when Russia invaded Ukraine, it was the thoughts: well, this is going to be days to mm-hmm. potentially weeks. It's a year right. and a half out since then. But but it was there are all of these terrible things happening and still happening in that region. Eh, it it might be over relatively quickly, and it's still not. Right. Here, we're going, well, gosh, how long can this drag out? And the hope is that it is over relatively quickly. Right, yeah. It, it, because, again, there's there obviously isn't the capability. The, this group, Hamas's capability, is not defending what's happening right now, obviously, right? No. They don't have an air force, you know? No, they, the, no, no. Their strength they don't have is, an iron is, dome. They don't have that. Yeah, that's their strength not, is a strike, yeah. and that's kind of it. Yeah, which they they took that shot, and now the, the obviously the the retali- retaliation is coming there. Um, but the the bigger questions beyond that too then is, are there other groups that get involved in in the north? Um, does Iran get involved? Does Hezbollah get involved? Do, do these other ones get involved as well somehow, either at Israel's behest or otherwise? And that's what prolongs and makes this thing potentially potentially bigger than it is right now. Uh, all right, other news. Uh, the announcement yesterday, RFK Jr. says, hey, I'm still running for president. I'm just not doing it as a Democrat. Announcing his affiliation change, Kennedy said in Philadelphia he's found support on both sides. Pro-lifers and pro-choicers. They include climate activists and climate skeptics. And even those separated on an issue he's taken hits on. They include vaccinated and unvaccinated. Kennedy, in stepping away from the party, says the opinions will change his approach to problem solving. I'll choose not the easy path. Not the established path, but the right path. The parties still think he's a long shot. Kennedy's siblings condemn his candidacy, <laughs> saying he doesn't share their father's vision and values. Gernal Scott, Fox like, News. They put out a joint statement, and it was kind of scathing of their brother. Man, also just listening to him makes it sound like he, he's got it rough. Like uh, he, he just he didn't he sounded rough. Well, he's got. I think that's a condition that. Is it? Yeah, it's a condition okay. that he's got. Yep, that's what he's. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a condition that he's got. It's, it's interesting. He's trying to do this big tent thing now. I'm not. I'm not quite sure exactly. I don't know. I don't know where his appeal will be. We will see if he how how he impacts the race and if he impacts the overall race. But in these states, you know, in these states where you're talking about the Wisconsin's and and Georgias and. Arizona's of the world, when you're talking about maybe even 
tens of thousands or even thousands of votes that the t- decide the state, obviously, mm-hmm. another candidate in there can absolutely have a, a significant impact on what happens. Yeah. Uh, all right. Other things. And then we've got this. We've got the uh, the speaker race here at this point. And <laughs> so dumb that like this is still it's 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 still a thing where and I mean, the House can't really do anything. And with this, obviously, this international crisis going on right now, there are a lot of people across the aisles that, who are thinking, OK, we really need to figure this out and get somebody in this position. And maybe it's even the guy who just got kicked out. No speaker at the time of an international crisis put the House in peril, and it jeopardizes national security. The House cannot respond or aid Israel unless there is a speaker. No votes, no nothing. That could accelerate the selection of a new speaker. The formal candidates for speaker are Majority Leader Steve Scalise and Jim Jordan of Ohio, but some Republicans are suggesting they return the gavel to Kevin McCarthy. Most GOP members embrace McCarthy. The former speaker is not officially running. But he would not be talking so much about Israel if he did not eye an opportunity. McCarthy says the House must investigate why U.S. intelligence failed to know about the pending attacks. Okay, but... so. <laughs> If you're if you're doing that, if you're bringing if there's a potential of bringing McCarthy, whose whose mind is changing? Obviously, somebody's mind has got to change to do that. Are you changing the mind of the Republicans, the handful of Republicans that essentially initiated the ouster, or are you changing minds of Democrats who basically are voting in one block, one full block on this whole thing? Uh, is or, the, is or the, are you just trying to tell people, hey? We have to support Israel, have to do aid, so just vote for somebody. Well, is that, I mean, yeah, but all I'm saying, though, is somebody has got to change their vote for that to happen based on that argument, and I'm not sure who, who that, who is most likely to do that. I don't, you know, maybe, maybe the idea is, hey, the Democrats are going to realize that they, that they're not going to get their own person in the house. That's never happening. And so maybe their least bad option for them would be McCarthy still instead of one of the alternatives. I'm not sure if that's the thinking, but I, I, I don't know. The McCarthy th- comeback isn't going to be a thing, obviously, without people changing their minds on this. And it still seems more likely to me that one of you know a Scalise or a, a Jordan is going to get support from enough Republicans, which has got to be the vast, vast, vast majority of them, to to get this done. But... I don't know. It's sort of like the la- it's kind of like a game of chicken, right? Who is who is going to going to say, "Okay, I'm going to give in because we need to have a speaker here." And who's going to stand their ground and getting who they want in that position. Uh all right. Let's see. Let's do something to uh Oh, well, I mentioned this in the uh in the outset of the show. Uh another one of these huge days where Amazon Prime is trying to get people to sign up for their service and say, "Hey, Great deals abound if you uh, sign up for these two days. Amazon launches its Prime Big Deal Days today through Wednesday, all exclusive to Prime members around the world. Amazon's trying to entice more people to become Prime members despite higher fees, though with huge savings on everything from apparel, electronics, gift cards, and more. The company says it's offering new deals every five minutes on the Amazon website, and all with Prime's free delivery in the U.S. Customers also able to explore Amazon. Amazon's newly launched holiday shop to get big deals ahead of the holidays. Jeff Manasso, Fox News. Ooh, all right. I know my mom. I happened to. I called my parents on Sunday to ask 
by the way, my my dad played baseball at Kansas, yes. and then he finished up here at Nebraska. Nebraska plays in Lawrence baseball this spring, yeah. and I thought, hey, Dad, do you want to go to this game? Yeah. Well, they were on their way out to watch my nephew in a, a flag football game out in Ainsworth, and he was like, yeah, yeah. By the way, since I have you here, your mom wants you guys to get your daughter's birthday ideas, which is coming up here in a couple of weeks, and Christmas ideas, because... Amazon Prime special <laughs> sales and stuff. I was like, right. okay, we'll we'll throw something together. All right, yep. <laughs> the, the pressure, the pressure from the family to tell to get the Christmas list always starts building up this time of year. I'm like, man, I don't know. I know, right? Just buy my daughter stuff. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's it for the sound off at six fifty six. You are listening to LNK today with Jack and friends on KLIN. Apologist Brett Anderson. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, 39 degrees in the capital city coming up during the 7 o'clock hour. After a check of news from Fox and the KLIN newsroom, Joe Jordan, News Channel Nebraska, is going to uh, join us. He's uh, heard from the latest United States Senate candidate from the state of Nebraska. Tell us about that. Uh, we will count down the five things that you're going to be talking about today with the morning drive. That's coming up at 735. And then 8 o'clock hour, we do have another Fantasy Huskers keywords for you. If you want to adopt the top 25 team for this weekend and get a chance to not only pull for them, but maybe win some gear and pizza from Alumni Hall and Valentino's, respectively. We'll give you that keyword to do that. And we'll also have Jason Ball from Lincoln Chamber of Commerce that is joining us as well. So, busy day here on a Tuesday morning in the capital city. It is 7 o'clock on KLIN Lincoln. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O, morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on The Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, greetings. Welcome in 709, October 10th, 2023 on your Tuesday morning. Glad to have you with us on LNK Today with Jack and Friends. Jack Mitchell, Caleb Henry, Mark Vale out this week. He'll join us next week after a week off. Chris Lofkin, Time Saver Traffic, as you heard there. Uh, and on uh, Tuesday mornings, we check in with Joe Jordan, News Channel Nebraska, talk some Nebraska news and politics and things that are going on in the headlines. Good morning, Joe. How are you doing today? Uh, good, Jack. How are you guys? I'm good. I am good. Um, so we've talked a couple of times in the last two weeks about this, uh, this the Senate race and the Senate challenger to incumbent Deb Fisher in that particular seat, Dan Osborne. Um, and you kind of gave us an introduction to who he was when he entered in into the race. Uh, then there was kind of the discussion that's gone on about whether or not the Democrats will even run someone or basically get behind Osborne as an independent at that point. We hadn't heard a ton directly from Osborne, though, uh, since he entered the race. Uh, I understand he's he's now spoken publicly. Uh, you had a chance to do some reporting on that as well. What was what was kind of the overriding? What do you what do you make of of his uh, messaging and what he's going for here as he's uh, made his first public appearances and public comments on this? A couple things stand out to me. One is uh, he comes across uh, deliberately or not deliberately, and I think it's probably just the way it is. He he, he comes across as a not polished politician. Uh, in his remarks that he he made in Omaha the other night. Um, you could tell that he was not 
used to being sort of in the limelight. I think whatever what people know about him, if they know about him at all at the moment, is that he helped uh, run the strike against Kellogg's here in Omaha a couple of years ago. And during that time, um, he did various uh, interviews, some with uh, I think some with national uh, publications, but that was that was in a print form. Um, so he, I think, it, when he was on camera the other night, uh, he looked a little, you know, out of his element. Not to say that he, he that he he was badly performed or anything like that, but he but he clearly wasn't uh, the the politician interview that you normally get uh, on, on that kind of a night. Uh, so I think there's some some work that probably needs to be done there on his part. Then again. There, there were people in the public that probably look at that as redeeming. That right. He's not, you know, he's not out of that cut of cloth. I mean, they're they're so. definitely gonna. I think they're definitely gonna play up. You know, you know. I look at even one of the campaign pictures that they've got. He's he's not wearing a suit in any of them. Right. I, the pictures I, that I think I saw from that that he was wearing kind of like a a jacket, not a not formal wear whatsoever that you typically would see a politician uh, on on one of his campaign like stills. He's got his uh, this flannel shirt rolled up, so you can see the tattoos on his forearm and those sorts of things. So, I, yeah, I think there probably is some marketing that goes with that too, don't you think? I, I, w- I would think so. And when yeah. he gave his remarks the other night in Omaha, uh, again, no jacket, no tie, yeah, uh, no no sport jacket. He has jacket on, but it wasn't you know a, a sport. It looked like a work thing. jacket, yeah, exactly. And 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 you know, like I said, that could be by design, it could be by accident, but I that I, I'm pretty sure. My, my gut tells me that's who that's who uh, Dan Osborne is. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. And, and clearly in politics, you want to be real. You don't want to fake it because that's, that's when you get into trouble uh, overall. But I do think um, in terms of answering questions and going forward, uh, there probably needs to be um, some refinement done. But but I think as he came out of the box, uh, uh, there were probably about 50, 60 people in the room. Um, didn't see an, I didn't see an overwhelming like union showing. Uh, at least it wasn't it wasn't obvious if if they were if they were union workers that were there. A couple people had some labor you know shirts on and stuff like that, but it wasn't uh, an overwhelming uh, obvious. This this is the union guy so so to speak. So I think that um, you know I thought he made a, a good first impression on on, on some people, and um, the, the, so the, but the second glaring thing is. Uh, in the in the three weeks since they first sort of rolled out his his announcement, just kind of online, this is Dan Osborne. He's going to be running for the Senate as an independent. In those three weeks, they announced that they had raised sixty two thousand dollars, which may sound like a lot of money to people, except for the fact that Deb Fisher, in the last few years, has raised six million, spent about almost that much money, and currently has about a million and a half in the bank. So, in terms of just raw dollars, there's a huge disparity between these two people right now. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, I can imagine. Which we'll get to more on that here in a second on, on a uh, one of the questions he was asked. But I want to just circle back just a little bit though, and and kind of about his talk about his messaging a little bit. It it sounds like it was it was kind of hey the you know the Washington's broken thing. We need to get common sense people in there at this point. Was it largely that kind of uh, sort of general talk, or was there more talk about specific issues uh, when no. he had a chance to do this? Yeah, it was his speech was basically uh, Washington's a mess. Um, I've I, I, I've fixed things in the past from being a mechanic uh, at, at Kellogg's to uh, his time in the Navy where he worked on uh, uh, ships and got things fixed when they were broken. That he that he's the guy that can go to, to D.C. and fix this mess. 
Um, the other, so he really, for the most part, he stayed away from like any specific issues. Now he's got a website where he goes through a variety of issues. Sure. The one, the one moment that I thought was interesting though, uh, and was sort of the, uh, very calm, but clearly pointed message that he wanted to make it clear when he's talking about that, he's not this regular politician. He's not looking for, uh, to be in DC forever. And he noted that Senator Fisher, who, uh, as, as Osborne put it uh, 12 years ago, said she was going to run for two terms, and that would be it. Now she's running for a third term. Wow. So he 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 pointed he clearly pointed that out, tried to make it look like she'd gone back on her word to Nebraskans uh, that she's seeking a third term. And I don't think that's the last time we're going to hear that in this campaign. Uh, I don't know how much traction is going to get him, but I do think he's going to bring it up uh, probably more than once as we go forward here. Do we have any more on on whether from from the Democrat Party uh, about whether or not the, this is a, a race now they may look not to put a candidate in um, because Osborne's in or is that kind of still where it was last time we talked about it? I don't. To my knowledge, that hasn't moved, and I think my my instincts are that at the moment the Democrats are trying to assess. Uh, what Osborne looks like going okay. forward, and if they think that that's a, a, a reasonable way to go, uh, you know, Jane Klepp has made it very clear that uh, that she knows that the only way a Democrat can win statewide in Nebraska is if you get independents and Democrats and peel off some quote unquote moderate Republicans, uh, because the Republican voter registration edge is so huge to begin with. So I, you know, so I think they look at this uh, possibly more as an opportunity, but. Uh, as we as we talked about this last week, all it takes is some Democrat, whoever almost, to to go to the party and say, "Hey, I'm going to you know I'm yeah. going to file, I'm going to run for the Senate." And then the Democrats' hands are uh, I don't know if they're tied or not, but boy, they're certainly in a bind because uh, how do they not support someone who says they're a Democrat, wants to run for the Senate over this uh, independent who clearly, uh, at least from where I'm looking. Um, He's got some position. If you look at his position issues on the on the uh, on his website, um, he's he, he's pro Second Amendment, which a lot of Democrats a lot of Democrats say they are. But um, when I asked him about that issue, he would he would not be in favor of banning assault weapons. Uh, his his uh, website also mentions that uh, it's not totally clear, but it certainly looks to me, because he says, he said on the abortion issue, he says government doesn't have the answer to this, which to me sounds like he wants government, you know, to stay out of it, mm. which would sort of be a pro-choice view. Mm. So it looks to me like on abortion, he may be pro-choice, and on guns, he's, you know, he's, he has no trouble keeping assault weapons out there. So uh, he's a mixture of, of, of elements that, that any that the Democratic Party is going to have to look at and say, is this the guy we want representing us yeah. going forward? Uh, I don't know how dicey that gets for the party. Or yeah. Uh, well, and they may not have a choice, too, on the other end of it, if they don't have, have anybody. Because it's interesting. I think you had a chance to ask him, like, hey, why run in this race as opposed to the other Senate race? Why yeah. why go against Fisher uh, as opposed to Rickett? So I'm interested in what he said in that. But I guess the same question can be asked of any Democrat that decides to get in the race, too. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, when I because I did ask uh, uh, Dan Osborne why he's running against Fisher and not and not against uh, Pete Ricketts, and he first he, first thing he said to me was, "You know, I really wasn't anticipating that question," which, <laughs> which, which kind of goes back to my initial comment. But putting that aside, then I said, "Well, let, let's go. Let me let me ask it more specifically. Did 
did Pete Ricketts' money scare you off for money against him? And it was one of those, I'm not saying yes, not saying no, but he did say they had looked at that issue. And uh, then, then he kind of took a sort of a backhanded shot at Ricketts by saying that, it, that, that with Ricketts and the, and, the, and the family money, it looks like he can get, get into almost any office he wants to get into. Mm. So there was a little swing at Ricketts there as well, sort of being, you know, uh, and having quote unquote too much money uh, to represent Nebraska. Interesting. So yeah, so I mean, so he there's clearly he. I, I don't want to give any way the impression that this is a guy not prepared for this bid. He is. There's no doubt in my mind. He he knows what he's getting into, and uh, he, he he clearly to me he wants to to do it. Uh, like I said, I think those going. Like I said, I think there's going to be some things where he's going to have to be a bit more uh, adept going forward. But again. There's a, I think there's a, probably a hunk of people out there. If they look at a candidacy like this, they might be find it refreshing that somebody doesn't have all the answers all the time. Interesting. All right. Well, we'll we will see if uh, that's what that race is, and and then like you know, meanwhile we got yes, the, that Pete Ricketts seat too, and we'll see if anybody joins that one or has kind of the same thoughts that he did potentially when uh, when deciding to go with with this one. Hey, I, hey, I before, want before, go before ahead. You switch before we move on. But the one thing to keep in mind is you know we're now in October. Um, you know, I, I yeah. know it's just, you know, just to, today, it's 99 days to the Iowa caucus. Yeah. I mean, so things are moving along pretty That's rapidly true. here on the political stage. And the Democrats, they don't have a Fisher candidate yet. They don't have a Ricketts uh, opposition yet. So, I mean, the, 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 the clock is ticking here. And, if you know, are they going to have candidates or aren't they? Because something, you know, Jane Klebb told me earlier this year, you know, this fall. Well, now we're clearly into fall. And um, still, nobody stepped up for those races. So right, and then that, the also the other thing is, uh, which we've talked about many times, but is the Charles Herbster watch too, if that still has a possibility. So, and I assume nothing new on that either. Not that I'm aware yeah. of. As we as we talked before, though, I think he he sort of has the luxury of time to some yeah. extent uh, because he can put the money together, he can get the campaign. He, you know, he's just coming off a, a, a statewide campaign. So in terms of the mechanics of putting those things together. I don't think it would take him long to ramp that back up, but uh, for the, as far as I know right now, that's that's pretty quiet, and uh, that's that's right now it's you know Ricketts alone and Fisher's got an independent candidate against her. Hey, I, I wanted to uh, I, I thought of something else that I wanted to, to talk to you about. I've been noticing um, Don Bacon has kind of become sort of in an interesting spot in this whole speaker thing that's going on with the House now, and and obviously given international events, there's more of a push. Uh, among some at least to get a, a speaker so the house is able to do some of these things but i've just noticed that like a lot of the national reporters are going to don bacon right now for some comments on that in fact he 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 said i i saw that he had said uh talked to annie gray of cnn and he predicted that uh some republican members were going to nominate kevin mccarthy to run for speaker during the closed door conference meeting and then he's also been he's been very Sort of verbally tough on the eight Republicans that booted yeah. McCarthy, essentially, along with the Democrats. He said, he had this quote. Uh, he said, they don't support our party. All these folks care about is media clicks. We're not here to accommodate eight people who just kicked us in the shins really bad. Talking about sort of going forward, what they're going to do in terms of the candidates. And um, I, I guess number one. Um, what do you make of him sort of being front and center and sort of, I don't even quite know how to describe, very opposed, very on the other side of the Republican Party from the Matt Gates of the world on this, essentially, is how he's setting himself out. Well, well a couple of things. First, 
yes, there's no doubt that he is bothered by the uh, extreme extremists and the Republican Party in Congress right now. Uh, my favorite quote that I've seen so far from him on this is that he was claiming that these eight Republicans would vote against the Bible because there's not enough Jesus in it. And uh, so he's what? gone. He's gone now to the point where he's really, you know, making it very clear where he's at on this. He's, he's always been a McCarthy guy uh, and, and didn't want McCarthy to um, to to give up the post, as it were. Uh, and now now, as you said, there's talk about could McCarthy, you know, make a comeback in this thing, which it would be this whole thing is crazy. The other thing about this is. Unless I'm mistaken, and I don't think I am, I think this is driving Jane Klebb crazy. Because here's here's Don Bacon, the guy they're trying to paint as this almost a mega Republican, voting with the majority of the Republican uh, Party, 90, you know, 85, 90 percent of the time. And as, as she has said to me, he goes on. <laughs> what she told me, he goes on liberal media, and he looks almost like. This is my interpretation at that point, almost looking like a darling for the left. And that's driving, I think, the Democrats crazy because they're trying to paint uh, Bacon as this, you know, extreme right, yeah. re- extreme Republican. Yeah. And, and, and at the same time, he's able to go on, on, on NBC, CBS, ABC, because they're, you know, it, it, it's the old Chuck Hagel thing. When you've got a Republican who will criticize the Republicans, that person's going to make be on the national networks. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's where Don Bacon is right now. He's a Republican criticizing a lot, a lot of his Republican colleagues. Yeah. So he's going to make that noise. And as I said, I'm sure it's pretty irritating to the, to the Jane Klebs of the world. It's just, it's been interesting. And I guess it goes to exactly what you said is, is that that'll get some attention, but he's been, I mean, he hasn't been bashful in the way that he said these things over the course of the last few days. And, and since no, this whole it's thing, not like began. he made one slip up. He's, this, no. this is a constant theme. It's, it's very clear. That's what he thinks. And he's going to, he said it over and over again in different, in different yeah. ways to different venues. Yep. Well, it'll be interesting to see if they've, by the next time we talk, if they've got somebody in that seat because they, uh, they probably need it right now to be able to deal with some of the things that are going on. So we will yeah. see about that. Hey, thanks for your time today, Joe. I always appreciate it. We'll uh, catch up next week, all right? Take care, Jack. Joe Jordan, News Channel, Nebraska. It's 725. Grab a break, and we've got sports next on KLIN. Love KLIN? Tell us why with a voice message in the free KLIN app. It's time to count them down. The five things you'll be talking about today. This is The Morning Drive, presented by Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, let's get things started with number five. Israel's military says it has regained control of the Gaza-Israel border four days after Palestinian terrorist group Hamas launched a surprise attack on southern Israel's unprecedented in scope and deadliness. Israel continues its airstrikes all over the enclosed territory of Gaza and has ordered the complete cutting of water, electricity, and food to the already impoverished and blockaded population of roughly 2.3 million people. Hamas, which governs the Gaza Strip, said it has some 150 Israeli hostages in captivity. U.S. and other governments are working to determine the number of foreign hostages in Hamas's captivity. And the, the, the thing that is just horrendous about this is there are so many, so many people. You, you've already seen it. We've seen it too, too closely, but there are going to be so many more people whose lives are lost. Um or or they're just injured or displaced or whatever life's ruined essentially mm-hmm. for this thing and have 
you know, very little, have very little to do with the actual disputes that are that are going on right. with this. And we saw it on on Israel's side. You're you're going to continue to see it on in Gaza as well. And the numbers are going to be, you know, they're going to be huge. There are a lot it's, of people. They're just it's trying to be live. Huge. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not coming in here and, and and you know lecturing anybody on how this should be done, but it's it's impossible not to see all of this and and just for me at least just not to have some hurt for just the scads and scads of people who are having lives upended, lost loved ones, um, taken hostage. I mean, killed all of it, and and it's not. It's almost impossible to see a. It's almost impossible to see any kind of a, a solution. Like I don't know what that we talked about this earlier. Israel is is defending itself, and and they are obviously uh, militarily going after um, what they say are strategic, essentially strategic locations in the Gaza Strip for Hamas to disable their ability to essentially do do any of these activities to do much of anything um how long does that take and and what happens you know is there a level of you get to a level of satisfaction that that has been done and then what is next and i guess i I guess the other thing like i assume they're going to go in there at some point with like ground forces as well that they're gathering those Mm -hmm. and that's like an urban area it's a small area that would essentially be urban fighting what does the rescue look like if there is one for these hostages that are there over a hundred hostages which there's a belief that there are americans in that group as well uh is is hamas going to come through and on there they basically said we're going to take the lives of these hostages publicly one at a time every time that there are civilians who are basically targeted without warning in this whole situation, um, and that's going to up the emotional ante of this entire thing, too. Obviously, rightfully so. I mean, I understand that whole thing, but it's, yeah, it is, for for me, it's, it's hard to look at it and say, okay, I can, you know, and I guess it's no surprise after all of the decades that these, that there have been, that there's been some real discord in that region uh-huh. um, between Palestine and uh, the Palestinians and and Israel and everything that goes with it and the difficulties all of these other countries and people have tried to step in and and solve things and and had it and it's just it's pretty scary to watch man some of the live TV over the last few days where you've had reporters that are in in the middle I think most of them have been just in Israel mm-hmm. and you've had rocket attacks that have come in from the Gaza Strip and have kind of gotten through the the iron dome and people reacted to those on live tv with that entire thing now they're they've got i've seen a couple of interviews with people who survived essentially uh what happened on on saturday and telling telling about the experience and the details and the people they were with that are now taken hostage and and kids and it's just it's boy uh, it's it's tough, and it doesn't make you feel particularly hopeful right now. I'm sorry that I can't be, and and maybe the way to deal with it, maybe it was part of it that just feel like you want to ignore it in some ways. But I don't think that's the right thing to do either. Right. So uh, anyway, it's tough. Moving on. Number four.
Lincoln Mayor Lirian Gaylor Baird will give her State of the City address today. And programming note, she'll also be a guest tomorrow morning on LNK Today at 8.10. Jack, what do you expect the focus to be this year? Well, there seems to be there, there seems to be a lot of talk right now on, and, and these things have been floated out before, but uh, and discussed fairly recently by uh, by the mayor and and the people around her, but safety on the streets of Lincoln, um, I think, is going to be a big big focus here. And you know, it kind of got brought up publicly with the whole John Cook thing not too long ago, right? And O Street, it specifically, but. What else can you do? What else do you do? What else can you do if this is 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 um is a really big issue right now in this city? Mm-hmm. Is it about just more extensive policing, more special projects, more enforcement? Is that it? Are there are there design type things that are factoring into this? If if people believe it's and is O Street really unique compared to really the rest of the city too? Because that was a conversation that we had had and and some of the numbers actually I I was skeptical about that but some of the numbers I think were what led the city to do that special enforcement on specifically O Street last summer that there's so many accidents that are going on there so are there are there solutions that need to happen just for that as opposed to citywide so that'll be there I think um it's hard not to talk about what's going on in the city without talking about the housing situation I don't think yeah absolutely I mean and in terms of you know in terms of what exactly is done what happens with it that's that's certainly another question but i think that probably is something that's going to be up there as well and and there's usually something that's kind of an environmental type initiative that gets brought up in um in these two so we'll see but that does happen today this morning and again she will be on the show with us tomorrow at 8.10, and we can uh, we can discuss some of those things. Interesting in her announcement that she put to Twitter behind her, she's going very Taylor Swift with the announcement. Well, how is that? As she, uh, well, one, she starts out by saying, are you ready for it? And that's a uh, Taylor Swift okay. lyric from, this, from a song. Um, also, she says in there, let's go on an adventure together through Lincoln's eras at my State of the City address. Again, oh, coming boy. up at 8 this morning. It's got the uh, Taylor Swift style graphics behind her on a TV. Really? Yeah. Huh. Went all out. Huh. Well, good. So, I was hoping we could get some more. Taylor so I wonder. I wonder what that's going to mean for the uh, discussions today. Wow. All right. <laughs> Moving on. Number three. U.S. employees feeling so guilty about taking time off from work that they often work through illness. A new Bamboo HR survey found nearly 65% of U.S. workers say they experience stress, anxiety, guilt, or fear when requesting sick time from their employer. 25% or one in four workers say they've been either pressured or explicitly asked to work while they've been sick. And nearly 90% also say they worked through sickness over the past year. Uh, I, I believe that. That kind of got... They kind of got tamped down a bit during the pandemic because so many em- employers were like automatic don't, precaution. You're don't not come in. to work if you've if you've got a fever. So I think that might have actually loosened up that guilt that comes along with with coming in sick. Now I don't. This is gonna this is gonna sound braggadocious. Kind of is a little bit, but I've taken one sick day since I've worked here. Mm-hmm. One one day. 
probably nine years ago. So I don't actually know. <laughs> yeah. Now I it, now I'll, I'll to be to be completely fair to everything is I also have a lot of flexibility outside of six through nine. So there have been a lot of days. It's actually been kids being sick more than mm-hmm. anything. And if you're a parent of young kids, yeah. Oh man, you can relate to that when you got you got two parents who are working. And we happen to have had usually a, a fairly flexible situation through outside of outside of six to nine. And so that's been I, I don't know how a lot of families do it. And there's that morning call. You get that text. You're like, daughter's sick today. Mm-hmm. Son's sick today. And your heart is like, oh, no. Yeah, we we've had it where obviously I, I've come gotten through a show and then just gone home. Yeah. Because there again, there's that flexibility outside yeah. of the morning show. But there there have been times where it's ten in the morning, I think everything's fine, and I get the call from daycare. Hey Oh man. Hey, look she's got red cheeks and it fears. I was like, All right, I'll yeah. be I'll be over. Hey guys, I'm going home. I felt like you could set your clock to, like as soon as <laughs> you had a day where both where where both you know, either both parents or or you were super busy. It was like the phone rings and you're like, "Oh no, definitely they're sick." It's it's good, what it's going to be, and it's you know not seriously, but a cold or something where they can't go to daycare, can't go to school, yeah. or, or something like that. So, yeah, I, I uh, I've left Memorial Stadium to go pick her up from daycare. <laughs> I empathize with parents <laughs> who who have that situation. Yeah, I remember those days. Number two. Now if my kids are sick, I'm like, deal with it. Yeah, you're fine. Nebraska men's basketball has their time in front of Big Ten media today after the women took the stage yesterday. Huskers contingent for that for the men. Rinkmast, Josiah Alec, CJ Wilcher, along with, of course, Coach Fred Hoiberg. Now I think you mentioned this yesterday, but uh in the in the media poll for the Big Ten for the men. Nebraska ended up 11? I thought it was 12. It was 12. 12 out of 14. 12th. Wow. Wow. After all, I mean, Demo, I think, I don't think I'm out of bounds when I'm saying this is the most hope behind us, hope and excitement behind a season since 2015, maybe? Although that year, Nebraska was like actually being ranked in the polls to start out the right. season. But but I think a lot, but, of, a lot of this is based on... Other than that run at the end of the year to get to 500 on the season, and what what you saw from Casey Tominaga, and yes, he's back and he's he's preseason All Big Ten. People are still just looking at, and it's saying Nebraska, right? And Nebraska has right. not had well, success in, in recent years. I don't think that qualified 12th out of 14. I think I, I could have moved him up in front of a few. Probably had him in the eight nine range, to be honest. Yeah, the, the problem is who do you move? Who is is evaluating the other teams too in this whole thing? Uh, Minnesota is kind of consensus last place right. at this point, but then there's kind of a jumble in that in that bottom half that that does include Nebraska, that does include Michigan, mm-hmm. who lost their best player and they may be in for an interesting season. Rutgers is is kind of in there, but like. I mean, you look at even like Michigan and Rutgers. You're like, oh, they also could be really good, right? Yeah, with with, with that sort of a thing. North Northwestern is kind of, at least the media kind of thinks they're right in the middle, sort of this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the that's the issue. But I mean, I'll say this now: I'll be very disappointed with the tenth place finish this year, and I'm used to being disappointed, right? So I'll tell you that right now. 
But I'd be really bummed with a 10th place finish this year in the Big Ten. By the way, the uh, the women spoke yesterday and among that contingent there. Uh, well, Amy Williams took took to the podium. I know Alexis Markowski and Jazz Shelley. I think there's one more there, and I, I can't remember who that third one is. Widener? Yeah, it might, wasn't, oh, it wasn't okay. Widener. Right. Um, maybe Hake? I can't remember for sure. But the they do a preseason media and coaches poll, an official one, and they only pick the top five. Nebraska outside of the top five for both coaches and the media. Oh. Shelley and Markowski, both preseason all-league. I do think Nebraska is a top four team on the women's side. Yeah. Um, well, it's all Caitlin Clark all the time this year. Yeah, it's Iowa top. Of, it's yeah. Iowa on top. Iowa and probably Maryland up there. Michigan's um, in the in Michigan, the in the mix yeah. as well. Well, I'm excited to get it going with both of those teams. I, I mean, yeah, combined for both teams, uh, this I would say uh, it's been a long time since this. Again, probably the, the women were coming off a Big Ten championship in 2014 too, so it's probably that 2015 season. Nebraska men were coming off that NCAA tournament berth as well. Mm-hmm. This is probably the last time eight years ago that you had this much optimism. We'll see how it all pans out. Yeah, let's go. No, I can't be hurt. There's no way. <laughs> There's no way. Number one. A seasonal favorite at McDonald's making a comeback this year. The fast food chain announced it will be bringing back its boo buckets in time for Halloween. Jack, what the heck are these? You don't know what these are. What's this, a boo This bucket? must be exclusively with my, my generation. Um, well, it was like kids who are a little younger than me. They put Happy Meals in these plastic buckets uh, in, it must have been... The, oh, 1986. Yeah, that's what I thought. 1986. It was during my childhood. Okay. And, like, everyone had these. It felt like they were very ubiquitous in the late 80s with with kids and then taking them to go trick-or-treating with them as well. And so the nostalgia crew of people about my age must have really come in hard for this, and uh, they said they're going to bring it back. There's a little orange pumpkin one. There's a white ghost one and a, a green witch one. So it's it's a big deal. When are the when are the fast food places? The real the thing I used to get really excited for at fast food places. You remember? You may not remember this, but people listening remember when you would get like actual like novelty glass glasses. I was, I was just yes. gonna say that I want because I I'm sure this still exists at the house I grew up in in Loop City. The Batman Returns <laughs> yeah. actual glass. Those were set. I remember glass the re- Return of the Jedi ones from Burger King. Oh my gosh, I was so excited <laughs> about those. Bring back like the real toys. The, yeah, the, the real they had some, souvenirs. They used to have some there. sweet toys that you got <laughs> from those places. Yeah, bring those back. Those plastic buckets. Those things cost two cents to make. <laughs> All right, it's seven fifty-five. You listen to LNK today with Jack and friends on KLIN. Listen to the Friday Husker Tailgate every Friday this fall. Presented by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedics on fourteen hundred and ninety-nine <laughs> Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O. Morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. But first, your fantasy Huskers keyword for a chance at a $100 prize pack from Valentino's at Alumni Hall. 809, welcome back. 40 degrees in the capital city. Tuesday morning, October 10th, 2023. Jack Mitchell along with Caleb Henry. 
Uh, Mark Vailoff, this week he will be uh, back with us next week. It is time for Fantasy Huskers, and another keyword for you, if you want to play, text it into 402-479-1400, and we will give out a Fantasy Huskers pick to one of you who texts in the following keyword. Points. Points. P-O-I-N-T-S. Points. Points. Is your keyword, text that in, and you may be selected to make the next pick in Fantasy Huskers. Now, this week... You are not picking a number or a statistic. You are picking a team. Yes, you are picking a team to adopt for this week because Nebraska does not play. We have given you a choice between all of the teams in the AP Top 25 to pick the one that scores the most points this week. Simply simply put, which team scores the most points from the AP Top 25? Uh, there are a few that have been taken so far. What is off the board for people, Caleb? Off the board right now, uh, Ben took number 10 USC, number 1 Debbie took number 11 Alabama, and then just this morning, TJ going with number 6 Penn State like hosting UMass. They got UMass. I like that pick. <laughs> I think that's what I would have gone with, although I have a bad feeling that they'll They'll put the brakes on on that one. Although James Franklin kind of likes to run up the score, but I don't know if he likes to run up the score in UMass. Get some style points. Sure. Come he, on. Like James Frank, if anybody's getting the style points, it's probably <laughs> it's probably Penn State and James Franklin. So I like that pick. But I do think there are a lot of there are still lots of uh lots of good picks out there right now. So uh if you don't get the pick this week, uh this day I should say, you can try again tomorrow at six thirty five and then again at eight ten and throughout the entire fall football season right here on KLIN. So I'm uh I'm browsing around Caleb. I know Amazon's having this this big uh big thing today. And it's not just another Amazon. One. It's <laughs> it's a, another Prime Day type thing. But it's not just Amazon. It's any time that I see you know, uh, you know, brick and mortar local businesses all of those things as well. I see TVs advertised or on sale or out out on, you know, on the shelves. And my number one reaction is my number one reaction is these things have gone down in price. It's, it's it's sort of the anti. It feels like the anti of how so many things have gone recently. But it feels like I would love to see some actual tracking on this. The price of TVs feels like it continues to make it harder not to buy them. I would say <laughs> because the prices continue to be really surprisingly low. I, at least I find them that way. Maybe you guys don't find them that way, or maybe I'm just looking at the. Like the real bargain, the the brands that definitely are not the ones that you've heard of, not the 4K, but still, there's there's something about some of these, you know, these huge TVs, getting them for 150 bucks. Like I went through a Walmart one day and I couldn't. They had just a pallet of them sitting sitting in the middle of the aisle, and people people were grabbing them off there. It wasn't even Black Friday or anything. It was just like a. It was like a Thursday in August, mm-hmm. and people were just pile them off there. And the the employee there was, who was standing there, he was like, "This is a ridiculous deal. I can't even believe that they're 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 doing it at this point." And so now I always have I always you know maybe they're I, I haven't bought a TV in a long time. I don't, but every time I'm like on the verge, I'm like, I really should be buying this. I really should, you know. I feel like I'm missing out on a great deal. But as I think about that, one of the things I've realized, and, you know, like, do you, I'm curious what, if people's TV watching habits have changed with more and more 
multi-screens, with computers, with tablets. Like, do you, if you're watching watching a show by yourself or watching a game by yourself, are you always watching it on a TV or are you watching it on some other kind of device? It depends. There, there are plenty of times where I'll go to bed on a Sunday or a Monday night and I kind of still want to see what's yeah. going on with that last game. Absolutely. I pull it up on my phone. Yeah, on your me too, and I have a I have a TV in my room. Do you have a TV in your room? I do. Yeah, me too. I have a TV in the bedroom. I'd never bother with that. Well, for, I don't know for why. us it's mostly that the way it's situated there is like there's a picture that we have propped up in front of it because it's, it's it's on a dresser. Okay. So we would have to move. I would have to get up and move that picture for it to get to the the signal or whatever for me to turn the TV on. Yeah, so like, like you know what? That's the same. I have to. There's an effort thing it's, here. I know this is so lazy. <laughs> you know, first world issue, whatever. I I completely admit that, but that I have kind of a similar thing, Caleb. Like I can't remember. The last time when I, you know, I've gone to like I've gone to bed, or even if it's a Saturday and I wake up in the morning and I want to see something, I won't even mess with the TV in the bedroom anymore. Uh-huh. It's always my phone. Yeah, always my phone. It's just so much faster. N- number it's one, right there. I don't want to find the stinking remote. <laughs> I don't know where the remote is. Um, and then number two, I I need to put my glasses on. I got to find because I, you know, I wear gla- if I want to really see it well. So I'm just going to do it, and then I can, you know, I can wear just earbuds, and I can hear the sound, and and you know, if my wife's in bed, she's not going to hear that. Like, our, is our demand for actual TVs going down because of this? And I have a 18 year old son, and when he's in college now, but when he lived in lived in our house, I swear he never used the TV to watch anything. Like if he were home, just al- had it up on his. If phone? he were home alone. And not watching like with the family, I would walk into the living room and he was watching TV, TV or a, a you know a, a didn't really watch movies that much. But if he was ever watching something by himself, ninety nine percent of the time it was on. A, he would not bother to turn on the TV. He would watch it on his phone. I, would, I wonder if other people have that same, especially if they have that same experience with kids. Like I, like I got to the point with him, and it's a little hypocritical because of what I just said. I was like. I was like, you realize we got a TV there you can use, right? You don't, you don't have to watch it on your phone, but never changed. Always, always on the phone. By the way, as you're talking about TV prices, I found an, an, an article from 2017 that doesn't necessarily explain why, Yeah, but it talks about what the prices have been in, in 2017 dollars. TVs in the 1950s were... Going at $110 per square inch. In 2017, they were closer to $1.24. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, found an, I found another one that's just from, um, uh, from a few months ago, another article. Listen to this. Um, so the price on, like, most everything prices higher than it was five years ago. Even on this, and you were talking about that article in 2017, that was five years ago. But if you would have bought a 65 inch TV uh, five, you know, five, six years ago, 2016, 2017, you're talking four digits mm-hmm. on, on that whole thing. Now, under 500 bucks. <laughs> I mean, you can, you, you, you can do it, which is, is crazy. And you've actually got TV companies, and you, you read some of these too, is that 
some of these are actually selling selling the TVs at cost, essentially, at that point. So, and, and part of it is because they get the smart TV in there, uh-huh. and there's basically like post-purchase there's a monetization. Yeah, there's, there's the extras. The, the, yeah, the TV companies can get in that. So as long as you've got the TV, they're getting revenue because they're getting info on what you're watching, what you're searching for, all of those things and sometimes that are connected they, to your IP, not necessarily your name, but like to your IP address. And sometimes they have original content included if, yes. if, they, if they're oh, a, yeah, a all smart the time. TV provider. Yeah. yeah, and sometimes it's, I, I mean, that was re- there were really weak efforts at that. I remember, you know, even when we bought a TV like four years ago, it was like, oh, we're going to give you this menu of channels that nobody watches that comes along with it and, and that sort of thing. But I think that's the biggest, I mean, that's one of the biggest reasons is that they found the monetization monetization at that point is crazy because the TV manufacturers even sell them for less than they cost to make for that reason. Here's a Here's a hilarious thing. I've got a little I've got a little like kitchen TV. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's 24 or 32 inches. Um that's just in the corner in our in our kitchen. Um but that will turn on smaller in smaller than our computer monitors. That's not quite smaller than okay. that. Well, you were at my house the other day. You saw it. It's it's a You made food. Why would I have looked at anything right. other was, than the food? It you was made? A, like just slightly bigger <laughs> than a computer okay. monitor. Maybe gotcha. not much though. So it it is it is small, but my dog loves TV remotes, okay? <laughs> he loves, he loves, the, the, two of the things that I need most in my life, he loves to chew more than anything, and that is eyeglasses and TV remotes, which have already both been in, in the story already <laughs> that we've talked about. But he got, it was, uh, he got the, the remote, and it was this small little Amazon Fire TV, and he got the remote uh, multiple times. Finally got it to, to the fact that it would no longer work. And so... I'm like, okay, this is driving me nuts. The app for this thing doesn't work very well. I hate using the phone as a remote, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna go online and just get a a replacement remote for this thing. Well, the replacement remote, if you got the actual brand name replacement remote, it was twenty five, I think twenty two, twenty three, twenty five dollars in that range. Okay, for the brand name replacement remote, I just saw the same TV, the same TV. I think $85. It would have been <laughs> I almost it almost would have made more sense just to buy a new TV for the remote. <laughs> yeah? At that price. Because then you you have a TV. I mean, that it feels like you're getting a, an, an even cheaper but, TV because you're just trying to buy the remote. Yeah, the the TV is the, the remote is it's cost them more it feels like to get me than the TV because they're not making money off the remote after the fact. Like it kind of scares you how much money they must be making on us uh-huh. and all our info uh, when it comes to TVs. So Ben Texan says has not bought a TV since New Year's Day 2013. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. So uh, Jeremy says they bought a 40 inch LCD. In 2006. Oh, the price must have been insane. For $1,200 on Black Friday. <laughs> finally replaced it last Christmas, 65 inches for $600. <laughs> I, okay, that's not even as bad as I thought it might be, but yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, some of those TVs, those big TVs now that you can get for 
four five hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were they were literally two thousand dollars. Yeah, not that long ago. <laughs> and I think that's the big reason why they're 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 making up my. I think computers have for a while. Computers kind of went down that way too. I think that's less so now. This is a, kind of me just really computers still really feel anecdotal. Expensive. Yeah, but I'll tell you what I got. You're you're probably right, but. When I went to college, in I got a computer for my dorm room my second or third year of college and hadn't had one before, and I got a, at that point, decent, pretty decent computer. Can't remember. I think it was a like a Dell. Dude, you're getting a Dell or Ooh, something like that. Yeah, bring that back. Like four gig hard drive. <laughs> yeah, hilarious. baby. It's four gig hard drive. You can fit four gig in your fingernail now. Um, <laughs> four gig hard drive. 386 that you know that kind of thing uh running running windows 98 it was very exciting i think it was two thousand dollars that was two thousand dollars like man you i don't even know if you can spend you could probably buy a top of the line mac you could probably get get about there uh-huh. now for two thousand dollars desktop but like i've is that where we're going to go Just, with phones, by the way? Just because of how expensive phones seem to be? These, yeah, I had to. My, I cracked my screen on my phone and thought about I was like, well, I bet they've got some exchange plan where I can get a nice new one uh, pretty easily. Uh uh-uh, uh. No. And it is, I mean, you got to. That didn't exist for me, uh-huh. at least with, with my carrier that I had. And I was really surprised at how expensive they were. What's the new iPhone? Co- the titanium iPhone costs now. Uh oh, that fifteen. The iPhone. The one 15? they're advertising like crazy. Um, it's probably. I mean, it's got to be close to a thousand, isn't it? Uh, the iPhone fifteen Pro titanium fifteen hundred dollars. Fifteen hundred bucks. Wow, that's Dude, where that is. I can't. I can't have a phone that valuable. <laughs> There's get, no way. Yeah, you you of all people should not be allowed to have. Well, one. I've cracked two screens in the last year. <laughs> one while I was in Italy, cracked cracked two screens on that, and plus it still feels like phones. Does it? Does a TV? What goes out of? What goes out of sort of date faster? A TV or a computer or a phone? Ooh, I think it depends a little bit on how you're using it. Yeah, I mean, if you're a really high-powered computer y- user, because I've I've known some people like, who work in in graphic design, and sometimes the the computers they need I, they need some upgrades. Yeah, I feel like the computer goes out gets gets less useful the quickest out of those three. Right, for, I for, think for me, for how much I use my phone for work for the different, um, especially with what I'll do with some some pictures and some video. It's nice to have a newer phone. Yeah, it, it makes the job a little easier. Yeah. By the way, uh, Jason texts in says my twelve year old would much rather watch anything on his phone than our sixty five inch TV. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, Midtown Dave says they have four TVs. None of them are smart TVs. He cannot wait for them to stop working. <laughs> right, exactly. That's how I feel too. Like I don't, I don't need it, but I feel like that's exactly. Please stop uh, working, and I will replace I, you for cheap. So I've got the combination of my son, who would always watch TV on his phone, and then I also have, you know, I've got speakers. 
I've, I've done, I think, a pretty good job, if I may say so myself, getting my house in a place where you can always listen to music, at some nice speakers somewhere in the house uh-huh. by using apps and stuff. My wife exclusively listens to music or podcasts or radio just on her phone, playing out of the phone speaker. Mm-hmm. It drives me insane. You, you, the, the house is basically like a zone of sound all <laughs> over the place, and I, I cannot convince her not to just listen to it out of the phone speaker. Do you know how many times... What do, I, what do we even need anything but our phones for? Do though? you know how many times I'll come home, my wife will have the TV on and have Spotify playing, and I'm like, do you know how many smart speakers... Wait, like I ha- Spotify on the TV? Yeah, coming off of the TV and through the, the sound system that we have, but I go, you can have this kind of same thing, just tell tell Alexa to do it. You don't have to get a remote. You don't have to go find your playlist. She'll do it for you. Are, is is this generation gonna? When they build their houses, are they just gonna have phones, no TVs? <laughs> there's there's a spot to mount you. Well, probably what they'll have is they'll have a little projector. And you can just set your phone right there. And they'll go like the if wall. if they want something to share with friends. Maybe. Interesting. All right, it's eight twenty six. It's LNK today with Jack and friends on KLIN. You're listening to Lincoln's radio home of Husker football, men's basketball, and baseball with a little volleyball and women's hoops thrown in. 1499.3 KLIN. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, 837 LNK Today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. Normally, you're used to uh, hearing us chat with the voice of the uh, Nebraska volleyball team, John Baylor, uh, during this time. Uh, but uh, John was uh, was busy today, and so uh, we reached out to um, someone who is a, a part of a, a new podcast at Podcast House Media. Relatively new. I guess it's been about a, a month now. Um, but uh, has, has covered the team for a long time, does work for Huskers Illustrated, uh, and is on the Volleyball State podcast along with Jeff Cheldon. Lincoln Arneal joins us right now. Good morning, Lincoln. How are you doing, man? Good morning. Not too bad. Glad fourth morning. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so I want to talk. I want to talk a little bit about what's going on, obviously, with the team and and uh, building up to kind of a real crescendo here with a Wisconsin match coming up. But first, just for people who haven't heard the podcast yet, uh, they can hear it at podcasthousemedia dot com. And uh, you and Jeff have undertaken a project that I think is is really cool. It's a, I mean, it's a deep look into into not only Husker volleyball, but volleyball uh, in general in the state, college, uh, even the high school level. Tell us tell us a little bit about the idea behind the podcast. Yeah, so Jeff, I, I've known Jeff for more than 20 years. We went to undergrad together. We, so we actually covered volleyball back at the Daily Nebraskan when we were both uh, students at Nebraska. So we, we've covered, we've known each other for a long time and known volleyball for a long time too. So uh, I've We've been kicking around the idea of that, and then but Jeff reached out to me earlier this year and said, hey, you want to do a podcast? I'm like, yes, let's do it. So uh, uh, we've kind of just figured out both follow Nebraska very closely. I, I took over from him when we covered for the Omaha World Herald and now uh, still do it for Huskers Illustrated. So uh, it's just kind of a fun look at uh, Nebraska volleyball. There's a lot of people who have interest in it. Um, so we try to uh, provide a little bit of our knowledge and kind of interest of being around the program a lot and for a bunch of years and kind of, put it in perspective of what Nebraska is doing and the uh, feed, feed that fan interest that uh, is never waning and fills football stadiums. At yeah. Time. 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. Uh, if you're, yeah, whether, um, whether you're a casual fan or especially if you're, a, you're a huge fan of, of Nebraska volleyball, there just isn't it. There isn't a lot out there. There really isn't stuff out there like, like, uh, there is for a lot of the other sports right now. And, and like Lincoln said, uh, there's definitely a, a market for it. So check that podcast out. Uh, if you, uh, if you'd like to, you can find it at podcasthousemedia.com. You can either listen to it there or it'll take you to some of the, uh, podcast providers where you can subscribe and, uh, would love to would love to know what you hear of it. Those guys do uh, put out a new episode uh, early every Monday morning, taking a look back at the the week it was for Nebraska. And so. just phenomenal titles for these, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was your favorite one, Caleb? <laughs> I liked this week's Pure Michigan. Meh. Yeah. Michigan. Yeah. Well. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it, I mean, it, it's interesting, that Lincoln, it, it shows you how spoiled I am watching this team right now, that they've gone 4-0 in their last four uh, in the Big Ten, and my reaction is kind of like that, it's kind of like, eh, you know, what, yeah. what, what like, like, is, am I... Obviously, you're 4-0. You want to be 4-0 in that whole thing. But uh, has this team, do you think, has this team, especially these last two weekends, have they looked different? Is something is something not quite going as smoothly as it is? What's kind of been the difference, if there is one? Yeah, and I don't. it, it has been a little bit different. I don't know if it's just going on the road for the first time. A lot of these players are experiencing a Big Ten road trip uh, for the first time in their careers. So I, I, don't, I don't know if it's just figuring out how to play on the road, how to get yourself motivated, get the energy up when you're not in front of the 8,000 people in Devaney. So it's figuring that out. So they're going through a little bit of learning curve too. And plus, these are teams who have now have tape on what they do, can know their tendencies. They're familiar with what John Cook and his program does year to year as well too. So it's, it's a little bit of the familiarity, a little bit of the unfamiliarity of the Big Ten environment. So it's a combination of those two that it is a little bit worrisome that I mean Michigan's not a great team and they really kind of pushed Nebraska and looked like the team that was in control and then Michigan State this past weekend as well too is I mean they're middle of the road they're improved better than they have been in the last couple of years but still to take that set off of Nebraska which limit Nebraska to hitting negative which is one of the it's one of the worst sets I've seen from Nebraska in quite some time so it is a little bit concerning but it like you said at the end of the day they still got the win Take those, take those lessons and see if you can apply them moving forward. Have you noticed, uh, I guess there's a couple of things that I've sort of seen as I've taken in these matches. It seems, I, I, don't, have, I don't have the numbers, but it seems like the service errors are, are something that are cropping up more often. And the, the block isn't quite as pronounced as it had been as much of a, um, when it was, it was really dominant a few times this year. Feels like it hasn't gotten to that level for a while, too. Have you, have you noticed those things as well? Yes, yeah, and we, we did because that's the, were two of the big segments that Jeff and I talked about in this week's episode of the podcast is yeah. the block and serving. So it's, it's, it's unusual that Nebraska's block, I mean, they've been getting them few, but as, especially to what they've been able to do earlier this season, it just kind of disappeared too. So it's a little bit of timing, uh, and, and I don't know if, again, if the def- they're not like Michigan and Michigan State are running these novel offenses that are, completely unlike anything Nebraska has seen before. So it is a little bit worrisome that, the, especially the, the middle blockers aren't making the read and getting out to provide those four hands in front of the uh, opposing hitters, uh, th- th- their faces when they're making those swings. So uh, it's a little bit of timing. So I don't, I, 
I don't know the technicalities of it enough to figure it out what exactly what, but it's a little bit of the read, a little bit of what the other teams are doing a little bit. And then with serving, it's, it's a little bit of combination. And I know Nebraska has been tinkering, especially with Harper Murray, uh, with just the mechanics of it a little bit. So trying to figure out that's like a work in progress type mm-hmm. of, uh, type of situation. And then, uh, but the one benefit is, I mean, Lainey Troyboy was the other one who's been kind of struggling too, but she gave way to Lindsay Krause, and Lindsay was one of the better servers for Nebraska and earned herself a Big Ten Player of the Week kind yeah. of uh, on, on, on back of that. For for a while, I thought, um, you know, I thought this was maybe going to be a season where there isn't as much kind of changing around of the lineup. Was, that happened a lot last year, and they were, I know they were in, run the, the two-setter system then, but there was a lot. And then... Um, and then obviously you had a couple of injuries and that sort of changed, changed that whole situation. Allie Batenhorst got more time. Um, you've seen Kennedy Orr come in to do some serving and those sorts of things. How close do you think now that we're into, into the month, you know, first week of, of October, how close do you think we are to a situation where you have a pretty set, pretty idea situation of who's going to play and how much they're going to play? Or do you expect the mixing and matching to continue throughout the regular season? I think that. I think Cook settled on his A lineup. I think that's, I mean, especially with what Lindsey Krause was able to do this past weekend. She, I mean, she goes to a little bit of rough spots every now and then, but I think that when she's on, she's the, the, the preferred uh, player at that outside position. The second, the L2 is what they call it. So I think that they have that lineup that they want, but the good thing is that Nebraska has so much depth that if, someone's struggling or having an off night, they can plug in the Allie Baton horse or Maggie Mendelson can come in and they, they, there's not much drop off. So Nebraska doesn't lose them much if they are rotating where there's a little bit of the continuity can remain. Uh, but I think as long as the biggest difference, I think between this year's lineup changes and last year's lineup changes a lot more last year was a lot more setter. I mean, if you're yeah. substituting your setter, you're changing a lot, but I think, if you have Bergen Riley in there, she's a consistent. She's not going anywhere. I think that makes a bigger difference where if you're just kind of mixing and matching hitters, there's not much change or not much disruption going on. So I think there may be a little bit more lineup changing going, but as long as Sutter is staying consistent, it won't feel like as much. Change. Yeah, that's true. Bergen Riley's been the cut. That's very different than last year. I, I just, you know, I'll notice like, Alec will be out for a set, right? And, and you mentioned it, Mendelssohn coming in, and and you know the bait and horse thing, and 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 those sorts of things. So there's a there a, a little bit of that now. But you're right, it is it is kind of a different situation. Like during this last stretch, and and again, I need to continue repeating. They won all four matches that we're talking about here: mm-hmm. uh, three two, three one, three one, and then the sweep against Michigan. Although the first one was first set, and that one was was tight. Um, you, after after starting off with with or at least kind of ending the non conference season with that rigorous stretch of Stanford, Kentucky, then you got into conference play with Ohio State and Minnesota. Those you know three of those four were at home. You also had Creighton at home at that point. You had kind of that high that 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 match against Kansas State. Then you got in into the conference with these games where you know you're 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 a pretty prohibitive favorite in these games, and you also have a couple of weeks. The, 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 what's been the, the Moby Dick for Wisconsin, or excuse me, for Nebraska, which is Wisconsin coming up on October 21st. And that's the one that they haven't been able to get. I mean, it's, it's got to be a little bit hard. And I'm, I'm sure, you know, John Cook, none of them are explicitly looking ahead. But even as a fan, I'm kind of like, okay, we need to get to that match. I'm ready to see that match. And I wonder if a little bit of that bleeds into this whole thing. 
It, it may, and I think there's a lot of a lot of things around this past weekend too. Is the Harper Murray's homecoming? Yeah. And I think there's a lot build up to that. And, and I was impressed with how well she performed. But I know she kind of. I mean, it, it, there's a lot weighing on her, just not only with making that trip to go and play in front of her family, but also a lot of bringing up her dad and playing mm-hmm. with her sister too. So there's a lot of yeah. outside influences of that. But I don't know. I mean, I. This Nebraska team is always kind of focused on that, but I have to think in their back of their mind that Wisconsin is looping. But you hope not too much because Penn State's coming to town. That's this true. Weekend. Penn State is legit. So if Nebraska is not fully locked in on Penn State on Saturday yeah. night, yeah, Penn State has enough talent to make Nebraska pay and trip them up. So it is a possibility, but you hope that Nebraska is able to focus on the match at hand and. And you don't know. Again, we're over, I'm overlooking again Michigan State on Friday night. Right. But, uh, yeah. It, it's the, the the Big Ten's not tough enough. I mean, you saw on this past weekend Rutgers, who's never beat a ranked team, knocked off Minnesota. And there's just a couple other head scratching results that the Big Ten has enough talent that you, you you think Nebraska would be able to come, but not 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 that's not always the case. Yeah, uh, and, and and that Penn State, maybe, and maybe that Penn State one is one they're looking ahead to too. It's just it, it's it's just kind of you had these lower leverage matches all in in a row compared to what came prior and and what came after it. And I did I did want to ask you, you kind of got into it there about sort of the status right now of the Big Ten. Is it um, obviously the, the Nebraska Wisconsin both at the top, both unbeaten? They're going to settle that on the court a couple of times this year. Is is Penn State kind of the next team in in if you're kind of tiering the Big Ten at this point? Yeah, yes, definitely. I mean, Penn State they infused a bunch of transfers. Uh, Mac Pedroza from Ohio State is now there. Justin Ruzik transferred in from uh, Michigan. They have another transfer, uh, Cameron Hanna from Clemson. They really retooled on a very different team than what we've seen the last few years out of them. And it took a little bit for that team to figure out their identity early on. They they played a little bit of a tough schedule too, but I think they're all clicking now on all cylinders, and I think they are definitely three. And after that, it's I mean, Purdue is kind of ranked fifteen, but yeah. they've shown a little bit inconsistency. I mean, they they played Nebraska tough, took Nebraska to five, but then on Sunday after that, they lose to Northwestern in a match they should not lose to Northwestern. Northwestern has some good talent, but if Purdue's one of the top fifteen teams in the country, they should should take care of business against a team like Northwestern and. After, the, the, the puzzling thing is after Purdue, there's a drop-off. Minnesota, I mean, they're dealing with some personnel and health issues. Lost in Maryland Ooh. and Rutgers this past weekend. Two and Ohio, four in the conference, and six and eight overall is Minnesota. I just looked it up. Wow. Yeah, they're, I, I just, they have they are too talented with Taylor Lansfair and uh, some of the other hitters that they have. They shouldn't be. They shouldn't be dropping those matches, even if they are have a little bit of uncertainty at the setter position. And then Ohio State's kind of. I mean, they also had a brutal. They were also had a losing record non-conference. But again, they're pretty talented, and Emily Landot uh, is is good enough there. But I think Minnesota and Ohio State struggles has opened the door for teams like Indiana. I think they they've really kind of elevated themselves in that the the top half and kind of fighting for that. So it's. But I think Nebraska, Penn State, Wisconsin are definitely the class of the Big Ten. And after that, it's 
and consistency and who can figure out their identity and uh, take care of business against teams they're supposed to. So the players and the coaches shouldn't look ahead to games, but we can because we're not either of those things. Um, and and, uh, and I don't want to overlook the, the Penn State game because that that's certainly been a great one. But there's not you're not going to quite duplicate everything that goes into that match on Saturday, October 21st, with Wisconsin coming in. You could, assuming they stay where they're at, you could have one versus two. Obviously, and then you've got Nebraska, where, like I said, they just haven't been able to get Wisconsin. Look, Lincoln, there have been obviously a lot of, of big matches uh, it, it, at the Vanny Center over the years. You've had, you know, Wisconsin come in a lot of times, but I don't know. Does does this one have ingredients for something? Maybe mo- at least at least on the hype meter, something more than we've even ever seen so far at the Vanny Center. Yeah, and I, I was thinking about that. The last time, actually, in any capacity, there was a one versus two. It was when Nebraska hosted Stanford in 2019 and kind of early couple of weeks. So I don't know if there's – I mean, that's, I mean, every time one and two play is a big hype meter. But, again, like you said, you add in Nebraska's 10-match losing streak to Wisconsin. Uh, the match – and a couple of years ago, they played for a national championship. There's a lot of history between the programs, between – I mean, John Cook's old school. Yeah. Like kind of built this team up to beat Nebraska and it's taken the mantle of the best big team. So there's just a lot of other things that add up to it. And I think Nebraska volleyball fans are tired of seeing Wisconsin be the, be the cream of the, the big 10 and win the, win multiple big 10 championships in a row too. So I think that uh, Nebraska fans will be off of blood that night and really uh, they'll, they'll bring their, their a game. <laughs> That's that's good. Uh, that it'll be. I can't wait. I can't wait. And by the way, the, the football game starts at two thirty that day, so it's going to be have to be for those who are trying to do both. It's going to have to be a quick uh, quick switch from football to volleyball, um, and, and it's going to cost you more to get into the volleyball game by far than it will to the football game, <laughs> as we've looked yeah, at those it? prices. Like I thought, Caleb found a fan that had over two hundred dollars for getting yeah. get in for that. Yeah. The get in the door places is uh, multiple hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. It looks like mm-hmm. at least right now that. That could change as you get closer. But, yeah, that's the kind of demand that you've got. Hey, last question that I've got to you, and we're talking to Lincoln Arneal uh, from uh, Huskers Illustrated and, and the Volleyball State Podcast here at podcasthousemedia.com. Um, what's it going to take? Uh, Baylor would get mad at me for asking this question, but I'll, hopefully you won't. <laughs> what, what's it, what's it going to take to stay at home throughout the throughout the, the entire NCAA tournament up to the Final Four? Like, how much... How, how how much can you hopefully there aren't any losses but how, how what 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 how far do they have to stay away from uh a losing record there I think that if I mean Nebraska's nightmare scenarios if Nebraska goes 0 and 2 against Wisconsin but beats everyone else yeah I think I think Nebraska will still be home I mean you look at the other teams uh that are kind of in contention and I think there's there's a big middle ground uh to me Wisconsin Nebraska and Stanford has separated a little bit. Stanford had a big win this past weekend against Washington State, and Oregon's in the mix too, so they may all kind of beat up on each other a little bit out in the Pac-12. And then after that, you have Louisville, Pitt, uh, and the ACC. Uh, and the SEC is really good, has, is a little bit better than they have been in the past years. But, uh, but I think that if Nebraska, again, takes care of business, doesn't have uh, just a out of their out of their mind game or just kind of out of their body experience where they lose and to on on the road to someone that they should not uh nebraska should 
they should be the making through the making through non-conference undefeated. I think really helps their yeah. case, especially with wins over wins over Stanford. That really yeah. builds their resume. So it gives a little bit more lead room. So if Nebraska loses to uh, Wisconsin, or if they split with Wisconsin and lose to a Penn State, or yeah. have a bad Thanksgiving meal and fall to Minnesota, yeah, um, I, I think that that gives them a little bit of leeway. So I think if they Two two losses, I think, is kind of a good good metric. Well, that that should put him in very good position to um, to host for that regional round. Yeah, and they haven't they haven't gotten that for a while. Even when they've gone a long way, uh, gone a long way in the tournament, had to go to Texas, had to go to Oregon, and and uh, and some other places as well. So, hey, uh, Lincoln, it was great to talk to you. Really enjoying the podcast with with you and Jeff, and uh, look forward to connecting again soon. All right. You bet. Appreciate the support and all the uh, work you guys do to help in volleyball coverage of the Wellness State. All right. Thank you. There you go. Lincoln Arneal, Huskers Illustrated. You can also hear him on the Volleyball State Podcast, which is a part of Podcast House Media. Very exciting. All right. We'll take a break. Wrap it up after this on KLIN. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. All right. Thanks to Lincoln O'Neill for joining us. Kind of on short notice this morning. Had to postpone his morning run, I think, to He's the uh, best. get on with us. But it was uh, great, to, great to hear his input. And uh, like I said, check out that podcast because they do a great job. They're incredibly knowledgeable um, about the about the sport that they both have covered professionally for a uh, for significant amount of time. So. And not and not just Nebraska, but they talked with the Wayne State head coach yeah. on this last one. That's so cool. Yep, number yep. one. Lots in D2. of connections. Very connected guys there in the volleyball world. So be listening and uh, be educated on the volleyball season as it ramps up, and it's just going to continue to get bigger here this year with the number two team in the country with a shot at number one in a couple of weeks. Um, all right, Ooh, eleven days out from that one. I know, but you can't overlook that Penn State game. He's right. Oh, He's right about okay, that. Okay, JB. I know. Okay, I know. But you really want the one versus two. So, like, I really want the one. Yeah, versus take two. care of business. All right, tomorrow on the show, it's a Wednesday, so that means it's What Chaps Your Hide Wednesday. We'll have a Facebook post up this afternoon, but 24-7, you can text in at 402-479-1400 to tell us what is chapping your hide. We'll have discussions about that. Mary Lurie and Gaylor Baird is going to join us during the 8 o'clock hour after her uh, State of the City speech, which I think is going on right now. Maybe it's over. It's actually uh, wrapping up now. about now. Yep, wrapping up about now. Uh, and then also, uh, John Bishop is going to join us tomorrow at 8.35. So that's what we've got. Don't forget, also, Fantasy Huskers keywords will be out at 6.35 and 8.10 tomorrow, so you always want to make sure and catch those two segments so you can adopt yourself a team. Latest one off the board, Dion taking Oregon. Taking Oregon. They play Washington, right? At Washington. Top 10 matchup. Oh, Hoping for a shootout there. Both of both of those teams could go one and two against each other. Yep. We'll see. All right, that's it for the show. We will see you tomorrow. It is 9 o'clock on KLIN Lincoln.